two series this morning, and this is something that I've done a lot of thinking about. It's something that I've walked around myself. I've seen it in my family. I've seen it here in our church. And I, it seems like I see it all too often in our society around us. I'm, I'm concerned and I'm convinced that we are people who are uh, moved by fear far too often. And that fear moves us to places at times where we don't belong. I am convinced that as followers of Jesus Christ, we live as those who overcome, and yet we don't demonstrate that often enough. And so I want to take the next few weeks to look at how we are called, even commanded, to be anxious for nothing. And how that then plays itself out with regard to the fear that we live in, with regard to anxiety that just sets up kind of residence in our lives, and then how we deal with the stress of just living our day-to-day lives. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to look at some passages of Scripture, and we're going to try to apply those to our lives, and we're going to try to figure out some pieces to this that have to do with our own psychology. But I want to give a disclaimer. I'm going to try to do this every week as we start these messages because I think it's really important. If these issues have become large in your life, do not make the mistake. Do not be tempted to try and battle it alone. Okay? So if as I am preaching these things and you're hearing about them and you go, that is me, you need to think about letting somebody else in on this. And we have some people around here that are really good at walking around this. So I just want to remind you, even though I don't need to remind most of you, we are blessed here at our church to have Sid as a therapist here in the building. And we have a couple of other therapists nearby, people who are trained, they are professionals. So if I hit at something and you and a family member maybe are looking at each other going, yep, he's talking about us, he's talking about me, Um, we have people you can talk to. I'm available. Pastor Stephanie's available. Sid's available. We have some people that can go deeper and really deal with these things because they are spiritual issues and they are physical issues. They're not just one or the other. And so uh, please uh, let the Lord guide you in that. Forgive me because this was like uh, half done. Break Me was from our last series and the slide didn't get changed. So we want to talk about anxiety over the next few weeks. And uh, I want to look at this, but I want to ask you a question up front. And the question is, do you really want to experience peace in your life? Now when I ask that question, most of you are probably going, that is ridiculous, Pastor. Of course I want peace. And we have an idea, we have a concept of what peace might look like. Do you really want a life that's at peace? Do you really want calm in your life? Of course I want that because who in the world wants a life that looks like chaos and disorder and stress? The trouble is the concept that we have of peace often is defined by everything going the easiest 
possible way for me. In order for there to be peace in our church, all of you should do what I want. Should I say that again? Now, I know that's not going to happen, but I still think that it's possible for our church to be a people at peace with each other and with God. For in order for me to have peace between the church and home this afternoon, everybody should drive as though I own the road. Get out of my way. Use your indicators. Stay under the speed limit. Let me come through. And if I really want peace, Lord, you will make sure that I hit every light green. Amen. (laughs) You know, we define peace as though... Peace will happen if everything goes the way I think it should. And in fact, if we sort of build that out, we tend to do this not only personally, we do it in our homes. I would would love my neighborhood if all my neighbors just did what I thought they should. I would love the world if everybody else in the world would just do what America thinks it should. Oh man, then we start getting into all kinds of problems. But the trouble with that definition of peace is that it does not require us to move or change or do anything at all. It's a self-centered peace. We'll get into that a little bit more later. But the other side of this is when I say, you know, do you really want peace? There is a part of us, and if we were to be honest with ourselves, we would all admit that it's there somewhere in our lives, but there's a part of us that kind of likes a life that has a certain amount of turmoil. We kind of like having a life that has a certain amount of drama. Some of us are more tempted by this than others, let's be clear. But nevertheless, all of us kind of have had this experience of going through crisis And then going, wow, you know, in that moment of crisis, everybody's eyes were on me. Everybody cared about me. And in that moment of crisis, things happened to me that I kind of liked. So in that moment of crisis, when it was chaos, and I thought maybe I was about to be undone, I experienced a huge amount of adrenaline, and I could do things I never could do otherwise. And so I tend to create a little bit of my own chaos, and maybe you do too, because I think I'm going to put this off so when I'm really close to the deadline, there's more adrenaline. I can work faster. It'll take me less time. I'm more productive if there's less peace in my life. Maybe that's not you at all. But I've sure done that. Or maybe I, I look around and I think nobody thinks my life is important and so I should welcome a certain amount of disorder so that people go, wow, that's a mess. How can we help? And then I'm important. And so I like to have a little bit of peace, but I like to have a little bit of turmoil there too. And we, we give in to this temptation where we kind of do a manufactured significance, where we, we say things and we do things that create situations where then people go, oh my goodness, let us give you our attention. Social media has allowed us to perfect this, hasn't it? All I've got to do is post something kind of vague and distressing on Facebook and I'll get 50 responses. That or, you know, me, I like to disrupt. I just need to post something controversial. And I'll get 150 responses and my family will no longer speak to each other. 
or pretty close to it. So we, we, we manufacture this at times. And then we have people around the world, we've heard about this recently, we have people around the world who are trying to sow seeds of discord among us. Maybe they want to do that on the political arena where we see that they post things that are fake news and they try to interfere socially with what's going on. I want to tell you there are people around us who love to capitalize off of our lack of peace. But I also want to remind you that if everyone left us alone, there's enough for us to deal with as people who have sinned and people who live in a fallen world that life will bring enough distress for us that we will always need to call out to God for peace. So here's this passage in Philippians. Paul is speaking to the church in Philippi and he gives these instructions this is in a CEB. Some of us memorized it in other versions and we remember rejoice in the Lord always. Well, CEB says it this way. Be glad in the Lord always. Again, I say, be glad. Not be at turmoil, not be distressed, don't have high anxiety. Be glad. Let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. Uh, There's one that's just impossible, right? Don't be anxious about anything. Rather, bring up all your requests to God in your prayers and petitions along with giving thanks. Then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and minds safe in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything, but then... The peace of God that goes beyond what we know will be our experience. So if we like to have a certain amount of turmoil, what does peace actually cost? And I just want to remind you, peace always comes at a price. We don't arrive at a place of peace without there being some kind of sacrifice, some kind of investment, and some kind of negotiation. Even peace with God came at the price of Jesus' life. And so that's why we did this up here. We remind ourselves that we don't get to be children of God without some price being paid. But part of this welcoming peace and desiring peace in our lives, it comes at a price. And sometimes we're not willing to pay that price. And Part of that is because we're not always attracted to what peace is actually like. Peace, I believe, often looks like what is calm and ordinary. And we are more attracted to what is spectacular and extraordinary. And yet, just like a seduction that has its lies, what is spectacular and extraordinary brings with it so much distress that we're still drawn back to the calm and the ordinary. And so, let's put into our heads this morning, calm and ordinary is okay. I don't have to have a life that is defined 
by crisis after crisis after crisis. Calm and ordinary isn't bad. Recently, I got up in the morning, woke up. I have a bit of a ritual in the morning. I got up, I made my cup of coffee. I go sit in the recliner. I read, and um, it's quiet. And usually, after I've been up for a little while, our dog realizes that I'm awake. She's in a crate. We have the crate covered, so I can kind of sneak in and get my coffee and sit down. And then she realizes I'm awake. And, and what she starts with is these little indications that, hey, I know you're there. And they're little whimpers. Oh, oh hey, you're awake now. And I try to ignore it because I'm reading and I'm drinking my coffee, and I am at peace. And then she, you know, she ups her game a little bit. Hey, Hey, and they, it goes from little whimpers to little yelps. You know, hep, hey, hep, hep. And if I ignore that long enough, in about 15 minutes, our dog is big enough and loud enough, the neighbors can hear her. <laughs> and peace is gone. So I have learned in this ritual, she has trained me, my family will tell you she has trained me. And so I, after the, the little whimpers start to escalate, I get up and I open her crate and I get her out. She's trained me well. And so she gets out of the crate and she comes around and she goes, oh, it's so good to see you. you know, and she, she's a lab and she loves people. And she comes around me and I'm trained so well, I get treats out. That's what I do. <laughs> you know, it's like Pavlov's bell. I get a treat out and I throw and I, I, I keep a handful of treats there in my hand and I sit down and I'm reading and she'll come around and sometimes she nudges me, sometimes she puts her feet up on me, which is not acceptable, and, but I keep feeding treats and I get about another 15 minutes. And then we got you know, to we we feed her, we got to get her outside and things like that. But I realized... The other morning as we were going through this little ritual, she and I, that this for her and I was calm and ordinary. You know, I whimper, you let me out, you give me treats, I lay at your feet, and then I realize, okay, it's time for us to start the day. And, this, and in that moment, there, it was just kind of holy. I know it sounds crazy, but it's kind of holy, this calm and ordinary morning, me and the dog. And then she got up and kind of nudged me, it's time to let me out, and... In that moment, I said, thank you, Jesus, that I got a half an hour of an ordinary, calm morning. There weren't cars crashing outside. My phone wasn't ringing, thanks to you as well. And, and you know, nobody was clamoring through my house, and it was just her and I, and she was in a good mood, and so I was in a good mood. But I realized that part of me achieving that peace in the morning was this ritual I built with her, this dog. And it sounds crazy. But one of the things that helped me was I made sure somebody else was at peace. My dog got fed and got to go to the bathroom and got to spend some time with me. Simple things in the morning. And releasing my self-centeredness that I'm reading and I'm drinking my coffee and you're interrupting me to I will welcome you in and let's do calm and ordinary together. Now, on the other hand, when you come home at 5 o'clock, it is not calm and it's extraordinary because she is not that calm dog at that point. But I just said, thank you, Lord. 
But here's the thing. Part of us achieving peace, part of the price of our peace is releasing our self-centeredness and saying, Lord, it doesn't have to be about me. I don't have to have eyes on me. I don't have to be in crisis to be a person of significance. I am a person of worth. I'm a person of value. I'm a person who has the eyes of God Almighty on them even when I'm fast asleep and there's nothing going on. And so I don't have to demand the world's attention, my family's attention. I don't even have to demand my dog's attention because I always have the Lord's attention. So let me remind you of that truth, friends. Don't be tempted to say, I have to make sure the world circles around me because real peace is when our world revolves around the Lord and he attends to us. There's also this other price of peace and it's one that some of us don't like and we have to deal with this. It's part of human, uh, the human condition and that is our built-in need for silence and solitude. Every introvert in here say amen. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Every extrovert in here say with me, God help us. <laughs> I love it. You see, I, you know, some of us, we like this. We like constant activity. We like to know things are going on. We like to interact with people. We get energized by that. And the need for silence and solitude is one that we're not that attracted to. Now, for others of us, we get re-energized by having that silence and solitude. So we build that into our lives and we just rejoice in that, we relish in that. And we can't stay there all the time either. But my friends, the world we live in does not celebrate silence and solitude. It doesn't value that. It values productivity. It values sensation. Be sensational. But the idea of being alone and quiet, our world tells us that's ridiculous. But our Savior tells us that is necessary. That's why silence and solitude are virtues in the Christian life. That's why we need to find ways to build them in. Now, like I said, living there all the time is really not possible for most of us here. And so we can't just stay there. But that is something that feeds our peace. And we need those breaks. We need those pauses. We need that silence from time to time. And what I found in my life is that when I'm really stressed, when I'm really paying a lot of attention because life is full of crisis and turmoil, I tend to lay awake at night and my mind is still going and I'm in this place of silence and solitude. Everybody else in the house is asleep, but I am not because my body is requiring me to find it. So that's part of the price of peace. If you say, man, my life is full of chaos, find place in your life for silence and solitude. Just a little bit of advice. I want to remind you of this passage. We all know this. We've, we've heard it at umpteen funerals, the 23rd Psalm. But here, the psalmist reminds us of this. This is the way the Lord interacts with us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul 
He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. It doesn't sound very sensational. It doesn't sound very climactic. It doesn't sound crisis-oriented. It sounds quite ordinary and quiet. But the psalmist says, this is the way God works. This is what he brings into our lives. And so let's put away some of the lies of the world that any sense of significance or any form of significance comes by how dramatic things are. And let's be reminded that God says, the way that I walk you is through these peaceful pastures along quiet waters where I restore your soul. Maybe you need to think about what that looks like in your life. Where you find that, maybe you don't have a beautiful yellow lab that loves to see you in the morning and you're not finding it there. That's okay. But God has something for you that can only be found in the quiet of his presence. And so consider that as part of the price of peace. I don't want to stop there because I believe not only is peace something that God can deliver to us, but I think peace is personified in Jesus Christ. He is our Prince of Peace. So it's not just that peace is something we buy by reordering our life and putting into our life other practices and disciplines where we can put aside some of the chaos and be people whose lives find rest and renewal. But I also believe that Jesus Christ signifies for us what peace can be. I think it is only in the person of Jesus Christ that we really find hope of moving beyond our fears and our stresses. To say, I can be at peace. I think that as followers of Jesus Christ, when someone comes to us and says, you know, my life is such a mess, our first inclination should be to say, where's Jesus in that? Where does he show up? Because without the Prince of Peace, the price of peace will be elusive. It seems simplistic, but I think this has something to do with the gospel. I think this is part of the good news of Jesus, that in the midst of our chaos where people senselessly perpetrate shootings in Walmart, in the midst of our chaos where politicians yell at each other, like, and it's like a tennis game where we go back and forth and we wonder who is telling truth and who's not. In, the, in this life where we live, where just getting across town requires blood pressure medicine. We need to be reminded that we can walk with Christ. And Jesus is not threatened by anything. He cannot be run off. He cannot be overcome. He cannot be dissuaded. And so, again, I'm reminded with Paul, as Paul wrote to the people in Rome, and he said, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And then he went through this long litany of horrible things, not hunger, not death, not nakedness, not sword, not violence, not any of this stuff, nothing in heaven, nothing on earth, nothing below there, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It is incredibly durable, and it is incredibly peaceful. 
And so my friends, where you're living right now, whatever it is that is invading your life with distress, Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And the world around us that resists peace but hungers for it needs to encounter that Jesus as well. I want to ask our band to come back up.